Welcome to the Beeson Podcast, coming to you from Beeson Divinity School on the campus of Samford University in Birmingham, Alabama. Now your host, Timothy George. Welcome to today's Beeson Podcast. Our lecturer today is Dr. Todd Wilson. He's the senior pastor of Calvary Memorial Church in Oak Park, Illinois, near Chicago. He's a wonderful preacher, pastor, thinker. He's a scholar, has a Ph.D. from Cambridge University, author of a number of important books. One of the most important, I think, is a book, recent book which he edited with his friend Gerald Heastand called Becoming a Pastor Theologian, New Possibilities for Church Leadership. And in this lecture, Dr. Wilson is asking the question of what does it mean to be a pastor? He points out that there's a crisis in pastoral identity in the church today, and he sets forth his own vision of pastors as pastor theologians. Dr. Wilson has become a member of the Beeson Board of Advisors. He's a wonderful speaker and a great thinker and pastor himself, pastor theologian himself. So uh, this is something that resonates deeply, his approach to ministry and preparation that resonates deeply with our own uh, philosophy here at Beeson. We're delighted to have him as a friend and co-laborer in the work of the Lord. And I think you're going to love this lecture he's given, The Pastor, Theologian, and Preaching. Well, it's good to see you all. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming out and uh, being a part of this. Really do appreciate it. Grant did say there was free lunch and a free book, so that wasn't bad enticement. That's pretty good. That's all right. Bring you greetings from uh, Calvary Memorial Church in Oak Park in Chicago. And by the way, there, there are Christians that live in Chicago, by the way. I had someone accuse me of being a communist yesterday when they found out I was from Chicago. But here's the crazy thing. The crazy thing I was in North Carolina last week, and someone said the exact same thing when they found out I was from Chicago. So there, there must be something going on. Although I should confess, uh, when my parents came up to visit us one time, we're originally from Indiana. They came to visit, and there was the farmer's market going on on a Saturday. Um, and uh, my dad was shocked to see a table at the farmer's market with a sign-up for the National Communist Party. <laughs> so... Uh, well, anyways, I'm not here to talk about communism or Chicago, but to talk about the pastor, theologian, and preaching. And, uh, um, and, I, I, and maybe a way to ease into the, the, the conversation is I'd like to begin with an observation, not about the pastor, theologian, or about preaching, but about pastors in general in today's culture. And would be interested as, as to what you think about this observation. Here's the observation. Pastors, by and large, don't know who they are or what they're supposed to be doing in today's culture. And so I'd, I'd want to argue that pastors across the country are experiencing what you could call, I think, a crisis of identity. And so behind the benign pastoral smiles and the inspirational messages and the ever-expanding ministries and the capital campaigns and all of the kind of churchly activity that we see, I think there lurks in the hearts and minds of many pastors that I talk to and interact with, and I look in my own heart and life, I think there lurks a sense of confusion as to what a pastor is, and therefore what a pastor does. 
Or in the words of Princeton Seminary President Craig Barnes, he says this, the hardest thing about being a pastor today is simply this, quote, confusion about what it means to be a pastor. A kind of identity crisis. And so think about that for a second. Probably not another profession in the modern world that lacks as much clarity as the pastoral profession in terms of the basic requirements or entailments of the job, like the metrics, the benchmarks. How do you define it? And I think that many pastors, as a result, feel like they've, they're stepping onto the stage, as it were, of pastoral ministry, but they, they haven't been handed the, the, the script. And so they're not exactly sure what role they play, what their lines are, if you follow that, that metaphor, that analogy. They are like unscripted, anxious stutterers on the stage of ministry kind of identity crisis. And what's the net result of that? Of this kind of lurking suspicion down in the soul that you probably don't talk about with your elder board, might not even talk about with your close pastoral colleagues because it's quite a humbling thing to confess that you're not exactly sure who you are or what you're actually supposed to be doing. What's the net result of that? I think it's this, your average pastor is reduced to little more than what Stanley Hauerwas has called a, quote, quivering mass of availability. That's a delicious phrase, isn't it? Which may be why, check it out, it may be why so many pastors resign their posts every year. It may be why statistically when they've studied this, a very small percentage of pastors that leave the ministry ever want to go back to the ministry. And it may be why there's so many insane and often tragic attempts to conceal, I think, the, the confusion and the resulting burnout with all kinds of forms of self-medication and self-soothing. From drinking to pornography to extramarital affairs, to overeating, to obsessing about money and power, to a kind of complete emotional disengagement with your people or with God himself. Now, one of the things that makes this crisis of identity among pastors, I think especially tragic, is in the, in the modern era, is that there used to be such clarity about what a pastor was, what a pastor did. In fact, for centuries in the life of the church, the church held out a pretty clear and compelling vision of what a pastor is and what a pastor does. In short, a pastor is a theologian. And when you hear that, we're not thinking academic and rarefied, but someone who knows the ways and the works and the will of God and can speak with wisdom to the people of God. Speak theologically. But the reality is this ancient vision of pastor as theologian, as someone who knows the way and the will and the works of God and can speak them with wisdom and anointing, this ancient vision is now buried under at least six feet of dirt. So that we now need to run around hyphenating pastor with the word theologian. Right? Like born again with evangelical or Christian. Which is why back in 2006, my colleague Gerald Heaston and I founded this organization devoted to putting the calling of the theologian back into the calling of the pastor. We called it, as, as Grant mentioned, the Center for Pastor Theologians. And 
It's not very creative, I'll admit that, but its vision is clear. Its mission is clear. To resurrect the ancient vision, the kind of classic Christian historic vision of the pastor as a theologian, not as an end in itself, but for the renewal of the church in its ministry and mission to the world. And we try to capture that vision articulated in, in the book that, that Grant mentioned, The Pastor Theologian, Resurrecting an Ancient Vision. And, and that's what I'd like to, to talk with you about today, this, this largely forgotten vision of the pastor as a theologian. But before diving into that, maybe just to hit the pause button for a second and ask, what is a pastor theologian? We're banding that term around a lot these days, I think, but, but what is a pastor theologian? And perhaps the most helpful thing I can say to you is that the pastor theologian is not two people, but one person. <laughs> you may have heard that old, I think it's kind of a charming story of the, the little girl with her country parson father walking on a Sunday afternoon through the, the graveyard adjacent to the church building, and the little girl liked to admire the, all the, the headstones and tombstones and things as they walked through and, and came across one that caught her attention, and had the name of the person and dates of birth and death, and then the inscription, Pastor Theologian. And her face lit up with a kind of mix of surprise and concern, and she said to her, to her father, Papa, why do they have two people buried in there? Right? It would be, I think, funny if it weren't so true. But we don't tend to think of pastors as theologians. The fact is, at least nowadays, today, the designation pastor and the designation theologian almost always refer to two different people, not the same person. And why is that? I think it's because we no longer conceive of the pastor as a theological calling. It's not, a theolo it's not inherently a theological calling. Pastors cast vision, pastors mobilize teams, pastors oversee programs, pastors manage bu budgets, pastors offer counsel to the herding, and yes, they preach sermons. But we don't expect pastors to give serious theological, serious intellectual leadership to the people of God. That's someone else's job. That's the Bible college instructor, that's the seminary professor, that's the academic, but that's not the pastor. The pastor is a practitioner. Not a thought leader, not a theologian. And we've been living with this division of labor for about two centuries now. Tied up with the advent of the modern research university, the advent of seminaries, and the, and the um, vacating of theology from its natural habitat, the church, into the academy. Which, and this would be a whole other lecture, which is a detriment to theology. Because now theology is heard in the minds of almost any congregant in your church or mine as a kind of rarefied academic exercise. Not as what it means to know the will, the ways, and the works of God, the life of wisdom. And so this, this division of labor is sort of like is embedded in the social structures and reality we've got. And we're not going to turn the clock back, right, to a pre-seminary, pre-research university era, like the Jonathan Edwards New England era. We're not going to do that. But to recognize the impact of that, that with the kind of advent of all these things and this division of labor, check it out, the pastor's role has been redefined. So that pastors are now practitioners, they're not thought leaders. And so 
I encountered a pretty interesting example of this about a year ago. We were invited, my colleague Gerald and I were invited to a, um, a Bible college to address the faculty on the theme of the pastor theologian. But check it out, not the whole faculty. We were invited to address the pastoral and educational ministries departments, not the Bible and theology departments, right? And when we asked, sort of naively, well, where are the Bible theology folks, right? I mean, this is kind of relevant, we think, to the Bible theology folks. And, 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 and we realized they weren't invited. And we said, well, do you even spend much time with those folks? And so, well, one person volunteered sheepishly that, that those departments are actually housed in a different building. Right? You got the practitioner stuff over here. You got the theology stuff over here. Pastors do this stuff over here. And the trained theologians do this stuff over here. But I trust you realize that throughout the history of the church, things have been different. In fact, the church's leading theologians were pastors. And if we had time, we could develop this at length. But let me give you just one quote from church historian Richard Lovelace, who was at Gordon-Conwell for a number of years. He's talking about the time from the Reformation to the Second Great Awakening, a period of several hundred years. And this is what he says. Listen to this. Quote, the leaders and shapers of the Reformation, the Puritan and Pietist movements, and the first two awakenings included, listen to this, trained theologians who combined spiritual urgency with profound learning. Men who had mastered the culture of their time and were in command of the instruments needed to destroy its idols and subdue its innovations. Luther and Calvin, Owen and Frankie, Edwards and Wesley, Dwight and Simeon, close quote. And I love the definition of the pastor theologian kind of embedded in that quote. Let me, let me say it to you again. The pastor theologian as a trained theologian who combines spiritual urgency with profound learning. Someone whose vocational home is in the church as a pastor with all that that means, right? All the rough and tumble of that. Vocational calling and home in the church as a pastor but whose calling is to feed God's people as a theologian. Someone who knows God, helps people see God. And so that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about a pastor theologian. But I think it's equally important to be clear on what we're not talking about when we're talking about pastor theologians. Because again, as the, as the term has is getting a little more currency, I think, today in evangelicalism, at least in certain parts of evangelicalism. Uh, I think there's a, a kind of uh, a growing confusion about what a pastor theologian is. And, and I think of some tempting uh, uh, ways we're tempted to think about the pastor theologian, the pastor theologian as a pastor scholar, or the pastor theologian as a pastor smart guy, or the pastor theologian as a pastor with a Ph.D., but the reality is none of these is what makes a pastor theologian. Of course, there's an important place, I think, in the life of the church for serious biblical and theological scholarship. There's a place for the Kevin, of course, the Kevin Van Hoosers and the Mark Knowles and the Daniel Blocks and the Don Carsons and many of the faculty here at Beeson. Serious scholars writing really big books, okay? There's a, there's a valuable, invaluable place for that. But that's not what I have in mind when I'm thinking of the pastor theologian. 
And nor am I thinking of the pastor-theologian as the pastor who's like the really smart guy or the guy with a PhD. Because to possess a degree does not make one a pastor-theologian. It doesn't even make one a pastor, right? But we live in a credentialed society, don't we? A credential-obsessed society where you've got to have like a, a dozen little abbreviated letter thingies behind your name and your email signature if you're going to be anybody, much less a pastor-theologian. Kind of credential-obsessed. Which is why a mentor of mine at the time, Bruce Winter, the, the warden of Tyndale House in Cambridge, handed me a poem. Uh, uh, on the eve of my graduation from Cambridge with a PhD, he handed me this poem. It's entitled, So Call Me Doctor. The title, Brother, once I wore, but that could satisfy no more, since on my journey up to fame I added MDiv to my name. But still I was not yet seen as bright. What could I do to make me feel right? Now they call me doctor. How I love it. No other accolade is above it. Never was I thrilled like that before as on that day upon my door they added doctor to my name. Now I'll never be the same. So call me doctor. Man alive on my ego I must thrive. At conference rounds I will shine. Praise the Lord the title's mine. Once I was humble. Now I'm proud, walking erect with the doctor crowd. Surely the world hath need of me, a man of learning with a grand degree. The apostle knew no such bliss, for Paul had no title equal to this. I tell you, brothers, I'm not the same since I added doctor to my name. Right. And yet, a serious point in this. If anything, the scholarly wiring and the specialized training that life in the academy brings, you know, or, or reveals the scholarly wiring, the specialized training, which many pastor theologians do tend to have and, is, and can be a, a marvelous asset. That stuff can actually be a hindrance rather than a help in being an effective pastor theologian. And so I remember an older gentleman in our congregation a couple of years ago made a, after the sermon, made a, and the, and the benediction, made a, I mean, the, the piano music was still going in the postlude, and he made a beeline up to me, and he said, Pastor, got right up on my face, Pastor, I know what your problem is. I was like, oh, pray tell, what's my problem? He said, you need to crucify that Cambridge PhD. And then he walked off. And it took me a couple of years to get my, not my head around it. I got my head around it pretty quick. And I had a lot of things going on in my head after he said that. But it took me a while to get my heart around what he was saying. It wasn't delivered with the kind of gentleness my fragile ego would have preferred. Right? But I get what he's saying now in retrospect. Pastor theologians, please don't misunderstand. Pastor theologians are pastors with all that that entails. Not smart guys with PhDs who couldn't find a paycheck in the academy, so they had to settle for the church. So sometimes I, I hear people say that. You know, they're, they're pursuing a PhD, it's marvelous. And if it doesn't work out, they'll go be a pastor you know, and I even hear academics, seminary professors and stuff, sort of like, well, you know, we might direct them into the pastor if they can't find a teaching job. I say, no, we don't want them. You know, if you're just looking for a paycheck in the church, 
that's going to be funky. At least for your people, if not for you. But you may be wondering what a pastor theologian does. Talk a little bit about what a pastor theologian is, what a pastor theologian isn't, but what does a pastor theologian do? And here's where I want to get a little bit more practical and distill it down to three primary tasks, in my judgment, what a pastor theologian does, each of which bears directly on the theme of preaching, pastor theologian and preaching. You might even say these three tasks are three priorities for a pastor theologian's preaching ministry. And I'll throw out, these, each of these three have kind of curricular implications. A punchline, which is, take seriously this classwork you're doing, because it relates with this point. <laughs> and the first, and most important, is this. A pastor theologian feeds God's people on the riches of God's Word. They're Bible people. So take Greek and Hebrew seriously in your exegesis classes. And biblical theology. Because you're called to feed God's people on the riches of God's word. This really amazing thing in the book of, of Jeremiah. Israel's in serious crisis morally and spiritually. The nation's threatened from without. It's sort of decaying from within. And what is God's answer to the moral and spiritual crisis and decay in Israel, or in Israel at the time? As we have it in Jeremiah 3, verse 15, God's answer is this. I will give you shepherds after my own heart who are going to do something. What are they going to do? Who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. And if contemporary Christianity, at least in North America, is anything akin to ancient Israel, pressures from outside, moral and spiritual decay from within, might it not be that God's answer is to feed His people with knowledge and understanding through shepherds who pursue God's own heart? Or think about this amazing thing in the Gospel of Mark. When Jesus went ashore, Mark 6, 34, and saw a great crowd, he had compassion on them. Great crowd, like sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Perhaps an allusion back to uh, Ezekiel. And then what he did was he began to teach them, Mark says, he began to teach them many things. Compassion for people results in teaching many things, feeding them with the word of God, the riches of God's word. And so a pastor theologian is a theologian first and foremost in the pulpit, not the classroom. In the church, not the academy. He's riveted by the grandeurs of the Bible and revels in the prospect of serving people with a substantive scriptural diet. The second primary task is, is this, or a priority for preaching ministry. A pastor theologian retrieves, <clears throat> excuse me, retrieves the treasures of the Christian tradition in order to reapply them to the contemporary in the contemporary context. Retrieves the treasures of the Christian tradition in order to reapply them to the contemporary context. And so a pastor theologian is, yes, in the first instance, a student of the Bible, but also a student of church history, a student of the development of doctrine, history of doctrine. 
A pastor theologian doesn't suffer from what C.S. Lewis rightly referred to as chronological snobbery, the, the kind of presumption that what is most recent is best. Instead, the pastor theologian recognizes the need to mine the Christian tradition for its amazing intellectual and spiritual resources. And then offer those up afresh for the people of God today. And so if I could use an example from my own ministry of the way I tried to do this. Uh, this past fall in September and October, I um, preached a sermon series entitled Mere Sexuality. Mere Sexuality, where... I addressed some of the contemporary challenges to the Christian vision of sexuality, and the way I did it, the kind of the angle, was by primarily retrieving truths that were obvious to Christians of other centuries, but have been now been lost, or at least forgotten. This is what I think the Apostle Peter is talking about in 2 Peter 3, verse 1, where he says his task is simply, to, as he's pastoring those to whom he's writing, his task is simply to, quote, stir up their sincere mind by way of reminder. So pastor theologian works at retrieval, not just exposition, but retrieval of the Christian tradition, the riches of the Christian tradition, the treasures of the Christian tradition. This is at the heart of, I think, what a pastor theologian is all about. But thirdly, lastly, certainly not least, a pastor theologian does this. <clears throat> a pastor theologian helps his people think theologically, not just about Christian things, but about everything. Super critical, I think. Pastor theologians don't just train people disciple their congregations to think theologically about Christian things like atonement or small group ministry or worship services or missions, as important as all those are. But their task isn't limited to Christian things, Christian churchy things, if you will. And I don't, I don't, that sounds sort of pejorative. I don't mean that. I mean, teaching our people about the atonement is huge, right? But not limited to what we categorize as Christian things. Rather, their theological task encompasses everything. How to think theologically about immigration, same-sex practice, evolutionary biology, mass incarceration, presidential politics. <laughs> not just like what candidate to support or not support, but to frame the entire thing up theologically. To think theologically about power, commuting, recreation, dreams, all of these everyday realities to help our people think theologically about those. Mark Knoll in his landmark book from a number of years ago, The Scandal of the Evangelical Mind, made the point that the scandal is there is no evangelical mind. While we may think Christianly about Christian things, we don't tend to think Christianly about everything. And yet, I think learning to do so and then helping other people do so is the central task, a central task of the pastor theologian to, as Paul puts it, take every thought captive to Christ. So to point one, feeding God's people the riches of God's word, exegesis, biblical exegesis, biblical theology. The second point, history, church history, and the history of doctrine. The third point, systematic theology, Systematic theology, particularly the, cre the creative and constructive systematic theology. 
Now, I want to go back to something I said earlier about the culture that we find ourselves in in the church and, and just to, to, to pause here for a little bit and lament the, the, um, the, 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 the culture of the evangelical church and why it's, it is a bit of a lamentable thing that it's not more hospitable to the calling of the pastor theologian. The reasons for that are complex, can't kind of map all that out, uh, but I, I want to maybe demonstrate that, that it is that we live in a kind of inhospitable church culture for the kind of calling that I've just been describing uh, by telling you a few stories. And one of them comes from the organization that, that we started, the Center for Pastor Theologians, where um, we have these gatherings of, of pastors uh, that, that meet annually. And uh, one of the first meetings of what is called our Spring Fellowship that meets in May and June got together. So it was the first gathering. It was about seven years ago of this group of folks. And and we start off the same way. We meet on Monday night. We have Chicago-style pizza at our house. And then we sit around in the living room and go around the circle talking about the high point and low point of our past year in ministry. It's always a powerful time. But as we went around the circle, you could, uh, and people were talking about the high points, and then particularly they were talking about the low points, you could hear this kind of palpable sense of me too, as each person would share. Because of the sense of kind of... Uh, vocational isolation, part of that's just being a pastor, but I think as, as these guys are trying to work out being a pastor theologian in an inhospitable church culture, the sense of like me too and rising, we finally got around the circle to one guy who li literally broke down in tears because he felt so sort of like out of sync and out of step with this congregation and what he was passionate about and what he felt responsible and called by God to be about for his church, for the good of his church. He just felt like there was such a, a being out of step. And so since that meeting, and it, it, it was serious, I want to make a lot of it, but we, as we described that, we now joke that the first gathering was like a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous, right? Where you got to go around and you introduce yourself, hi, I'm Todd. I'm a pastor theologian, and you get all these sort of sympathetic nods and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> or take this example. A colleague of mine was applying for a pastoral role at a well-known church in a large metropolitan area, and he was advised by one of the associate pastors who was kind of prepping him for the interview for the pastoral position. He, he was advised uh, that, that, quote, he should be ready to explain why he got an M.A. in theology. And then the guy that was advising kind of leaned in a little bit and he said, you know, the fact is they're not real big on seminary around here. Or one other illustration. One of the pastors in our network shared about the time when he had gotten to church early one morning to spend some extended time in, in Bible reading and prayer. And then with a little balance of time, uh, he was going to delve into, I don't know what it was, he was going to read some Luther for his, the good of his own soul or Calvin or whatever it was, right? But then he heard the, the knuckles of the executive pastor rattling on all the doors up and down the hallway doing this and saying, hey, I want to hear some ministry happening in there. I want to hear some ministry happening in there. I don't want to be unduly critical of the church culture that we find ourselves in. I really don't. But I do want to be candid and realistic about it. And I want to say that it's the evangelical church on the whole has become inhospitable to pastor theologians. And maybe it'll help if I can smuggle in a good quote from Eugene Peterson at this point, right? Who says this, quote, 
North American culture does not offer congenial conditions in which to live vocationally as a pastor. Men and women who are pastors in America today find that they have entered into a way of life that is in ruins, he says. Whoa, it's pretty strong. The vocation of a pastor has been replaced by the strategies of religious entrepreneurs with business plans. Any kind of continuity with pastors in times past is virtually non-existent, Peterson says. So you see, if we're going to recover this kind of pastoral calling, one that's inherently theological in nature, then I think we need to work in the kind of collective effort of making the church a more hospitable place for the calling of the pastor theologian. Which means we need to help change the culture of the church so that pastor theologians can thrive. Not to make the life of the pastor theologian more cushy and comfortable. But because we really believe that that's going to be in the best interest of the church, it's, it's kind of theological health and spiritual health. And thus it's ministry and mission and witness in the world. And so a change of culture, creating a culture where pastor theologians thrive. Andy Crouch in his award-winning book, Culture Making, he makes a really interesting observation about how culture works. He says this, that culture makes the impossible possible, and it makes what was once possible now impossible. And he gives the example of traveling from Boston to Seattle on Interstate 90, which he says takes 50 hours. I've never driven it, but he says it takes 50 hours. It's kind of an amazing thing to go all the way from Boston to Seattle by car, 50 hours, boom, there you go, all the way across the country. But he says kind of the advent of that culture has made something possible that was entirely impossible a century earlier, but now you can't, you can't ride a horse from Boston to Philadelphia. Okay. And what I want to suggest is that the evangelical church as a whole needs to work to change the culture of the church so that it's possible once again to be a pastor and a theologian at the same time. And so that it's impossible or at least highly unlikely for anyone to be a pastor without being a theologian. Conceiving of their role, conceiving of their calling in highly theological terms. That's an aggressive vision, I admit. It's, it's a bold vision. And it's not going to come to pass without some intentional effort on lots of people's parts. And it's a multiple generations sort of effort, right? And it's going to take the collaboration of lay people, of course, and pastors and professors, trained theologians, academic theologians, and students. And so let me close with just a couple of encouragements or, or charges, if you will, to the different folks in the room today um, uh, in, in the direction of how we can take first steps in changing the culture. And so first, a word to professors, may I encourage you to play the part of John the Baptist, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, that if we're going to see the resurgence of theological integrity in the church, we're going to need seminary professors 
to promote the pastorate as a viable place to do theological work. Find your finest theological students and direct them into the pastorate. Maybe through a PhD program. But if they want to, if they're passionate about and gifted to do serious theological reflection, entice them with the calling of the pastorate as a marvelous generative source for doing theology. And so play the part of John the Baptist directing your best students, directing your students and, and kind of holding up the vision of the pastorate as a theological calling. To the pastors in the room, just to encourage you to stand in the gap. Stand in the gap between the, call it the academy and the church. Don't abdicate the responsibility to give theological leadership to your congregation. Don't abdicate that responsibility. Don't delegate that or defer that to the academy or the scholars. Because you have been called and anointed by God to be the shepherd of your people. And so an encouragement to take a more active posture in providing theological leadership to your congregation. And then finally, lastly, to the students, may I encourage you to believe it's possible. Believe it's possible. This vision. While it's not going to happen in a year or two, it, it, uh, to trust that, it, that we can see, we indeed will pray, we will see the renewal of the pastoral calling. The church stands in significant need of pastors, gifted pastors, like many of you, no doubt, in the room this morning, who are capable of being practicing theologians for the sake of the church. The church needs that. And it's my hope that those of you preparing to serve the church will take seriously, not just be intrigued by, but take seriously this calling, this vision of the pastor-theologian. And it's my prayer that those of you who are gifted would answer that call as the Lord directs to provide theological leadership to your church for the good, the renewal of the church, and ultimately for the glory of the church's Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? This lecture by Dr. Todd Wilson, we have heard, was given at Beeson in 2016 as a part of Beeson's Initiative to Strengthen the Quality of Preaching a five-year grant from the Lilly Endowment. You've been listening to the Beeson Podcast with host Timothy George. You can subscribe to the Beeson Podcast at our website, BeesonDivinity.com. Beeson Divinity School is an interdenominational evangelical divinity school training men and women in the service of Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast will aid and encourage your work, and we hope you will listen to each upcoming edition of the Beeson Podcast.